What happens when you take one of the more illustrious narrative writers in the gaming space and allow him free reign to pursue his passion project connecting murder mysteries, Christian abbeys, and a whole ding-a-dang bibliography full of details? Well, Pentiment. And it's a game I put off for far too long, and maybe you are too. For this video, we're gonna make a connection to the Bible and one of the major but spoiler-free arguments of the story in Pentiment. My ultimate goal, as always, is to draw out the spiritually valuable bits of a game for us to understand ourselves better. But I'd be lying if I said an ulterior motive here wasn't to convince you that this game is important and worth your time. And yes, that's even in spite of it having the appearance of some piece of iconography. So. What does the story of Tassing and the people within it have to do with our call to a life as Christians? Let's talk about it. Folks, welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith, games, and take your pick of which of these snarky quips I should say. I am your nerd pastor, Nate. If you like these wiggity dies, be sure to sub, hit that bell, and find out when our next one drops. Welcome, folks, to the first episode of season four. Season four, which is just crazy to me that we're already here of these nerdy sermons. I appreciate you coming back. If this is your first nerdy sermon that you've ever seen, we're glad that you're here. We have a lot to choose from for your next one. But if you just want to follow as we release these, we have them every single Sunday uh, dropping here on this channel. So let's get right into our scripture as always from the beginning. Our scripture for this one is from James chapter two, verses one through nine. I'll be reading from the NRSV UE. That's our preferred translation on here. It's what our liturgist is gonna be reading from today. Speaking of, our reader for today is Sneaky Pig, also known as Mike, one of our level two members from the community over on Discord. So I'm gonna let Mike take it away from James. My brothers and sisters, do not claim the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ of glory while showing partiality. For if a person with gold rings and in fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of the one wearing the fine clothes and say, have a seat here in the good place, please, while to the one who is poor you say, stand there, or sit by my footstool, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen the poor and the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor person. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into the courts? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. So first off, what is Pentiment? What is this game all about? It's a narrative adventure role-playing video game set in Bavaria in the 16th century. The player controls the journeyman artist Andreas Mahler, who is investigating the murder of a prominent person that came to town, and now his friend has been accused for that murder, or at least that's how it starts. The story actually spans three acts over 25 years and involves the whole town of Tassing, not just Andreas and the Abbey. The game's art style is 
fascinating. The characters are super interesting with a kind of icon-esque feel that is almost like reading the wall of a medieval church building. But what really sets this game apart for me right away is the font choices. As a visual novel sommelier, I am used to like Helvetica, but this game makes the font a part of the story, giving each character a different style from these late medieval manuscripts to early print to woodcuts, all of these to express the person's perceived education level and skill level from the viewpoint of Andreas. And that gets to the nitty gritty of why this game is valuable to the lives of Christians. This game is playing with a heavy handed sense of perception and judgment in a medieval setting. This is best shown through the obvious and quite literal hierarchy of class based around power and education being presented through the people of Tassing. The lords are the benefactors of the abbey. They have the most power in the land. They actually own the land that everything is on. Next tier down is the abbey. The abbey is who is actually in control. These are religious monks and brothers who kind of keep things under their thumb. They have power due to their education and also because, at least for Tassing in particular, they hold the hand of Mort. This is a saint of the town whose hand is left in kind of a shrine-like thing for people to come and worship. And this also has a lot to do with the founding of the town. So people respect this, turns it into kind of a tourist destination. Below this rung will be the townspeople, the tradesmen. These are the bakers, the iron workers, the printer, the general public. They may vary on actual education level, but they're powerful because they can actually sustain themselves well enough to make money while working indoors. Below that are the peasants. These are the farmers mostly, the hard outdoor laborers who are probably working land that all likely isn't theirs. When we enter the game as Andreas, we're not on this hierarchy at all. And that's weird. Or I guess you could say we're not in it or we're in all of it. We live with a peasant family as a starving and learning artist at the start of the game. We work for the Abbey, but it's a strange kind of like give and take relationship with the benefactors and our role as an artist who's creating a masterpiece that would literally earn us the title of master artist. Given this like go between of the most powerful and the least powerful that we are actively partaking in, we're kind of given free reign over the hierarchical ladder. This game allows you a myriad of choices. Some are more rude than others. Some are more learned than others, but all are allowing a generally open reign of how you handle relationships with the entire town of Tassing. Given my actual like IRL vocation, I did make Andreas have a background in theology and also art. So I enjoy the conversations I can enter into with that regard. I even brought in a little bit of defense for Luther in my Protestantism whenever he came up. If only I could have maybe mentioned some Wesleyan bits, but still a bit of time before that. I chose to be extremely kind to the peasants in this game and genuinely saw Andreas as a figure who saw all people on a fairly equal playing field. I didn't shy away from befriending those in power, but didn't give them more respect than was due to any other member of the town. And you know what? I think that affected my gameplay a good bit. If it didn't actually affect the story that much, I felt like the people of Tassing respected my portrayal of Andreas and that was something that I was comfortable in deciding. And I liked that I had the option to play a completely different person if I wanted to. If you don't know the company Obsidian behind this game, and even more so the writer Josh Sawyer who worked on titles like Fallout New Vegas, Icewind Dale 1 and 2, Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2, this is a guy with a history of making choices that matter for the person behind the person. Sawyer wants a player to feel some weight behind the dialogue choices that they actually make while they're playing the game. The appeal to the nature of the human behind the human has a profound effect on how one actually experiences the game. But even more importantly than that, Sawyer takes this concept and uses it as a teachable moment. I learned about the historical hierarchy of this medieval town because I was experiencing it firsthand. 
I was viewed as strange because I was so kind to certain lower caste members of the town of Tassing. I even learned that I was wrong about some that I chose to be kind to or those that I doubted. Not everyone who came off as a real jerk was actually that bad and others had dark secrets that I would never have predicted. But all of it allowed me to understand more about those that I chose to view as either less than worth my time or not worthy of my respect. As a game, it taught me about my own biases through the act of viewing the biases of the other around me. For instance, I had a pretty instant issue with some of the nuns in the convent, like right away. I have a personal sticky point in my own personal theology with those who are invested in authority dictating how we live over our lives, if it isn't obvious by the whole like digital nerd church thing. So any nun who was presented as even slightly hard-nosed on the topic got an instant check in the no thank you column by me. But even in my discernment, I was discriminating against these tropes simply because of my own comprehension of who they were. And sometimes it bit back and I missed out on some valuable relationships I wish I'd gotten to experience. That brings us to our scripture for this video. There are more than a few times where we can interpret that the Bible is against discrimination of any kind, but there's one time that it actually calls it out specifically. In the book of James that we heard from Sneaky Pig earlier, it outright declares discrimination to be sin. The writer of James is writing to the early church with a particular focus toward the Jews that have accepted Jesus as the Messiah, not so much the Gentiles. So James writes, hey, you can't say you believe in Jesus and show partiality to some and not to others. Let's say someone enters the worship space, decked to the nines with the finest garments available, ye old Louis Vuitton, if you will. And then someone else is dressed in tattered and dirty clothes, Kanye's former Gap collection, if you will. When that happens, don't put the Louis person in the finest seat in the house and have the dirty clothed one sit on the ground. Why? Because God chose that person, and especially that latter person, to be the inheritor of the kingdom of heaven. James then reminds the reader of the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which is also one of Jesus's own big two commandments. And then he wraps up the whole spiel with the warning that partiality is a sin, and you will be convicted by the law as transgressors or lawbreakers. What's going on here? This passage seems pretty straightforward, right? In its delivery, but there's this interesting thing happening in the text that I wanted to highlight here. In the original Greek, James uses two weird words, diakrino and prosopolumsia. Diakrino is used quite liberally throughout the Bible and basically just means like, discernment. Jesus says that a well-discerned faith can move mountains. Those that have discerned the body of Christ can accurately partake in communion in the early church. But prosopolumsia is only used four times in the whole Bible. That's pretty unique. It essentially translates to the respect offered to people or the lack thereof respect. In other words, discrimination. The four times that it is used is in Romans, God does not show favoritism. Ephesians, masters, treat your slaves well because God doesn't have a favorite between you and your slave. Colossians, where God will dole out justice to the wrongdoer without showing favoritism. And then there's this passage where we are the ones showing prosopolumsia and it being a sin. Here's what I'm getting at here. In the United Methodist Church, we define sin as that which separates us from God. In the minimal amount of time the Bible outright uses such a modern sounding term, three of the four declare that God, the creator of all, intentionally does not do it. And then one of the four mentions that we better not use it. Discrimination is a seriously detrimental sin. Favoritism is a sin so disgusting to God that it is actively and intentionally and explicitly avoided. And yet, as exhibited so well in the game Pentiment, it is what the church is not only known for, but complicitly involved within. 
Only one peg below the owners of the land stands the abbey, the church. This is a blot on our history, and we're still experiencing the ramifications of it today. We play favorites in the church. We discriminate within our denominations. We elevate and boost up voices unfairly. We have failed to expunge the very thing that God cannot stomach. But just like in Pentiment, a difference can be made, and it starts with you. I could have made Andreas play the part. He's a royal-born artist of the highest regard who will go on to become one of the hallmark artists of the time period, or at least that's who he's based on. There is no reason for Andreas to be a good person, but my Andreas is because I chose for him to be that way. So what does this mean for us today? I'm going to be real. I'm a white bearded Christian male serving in the church as a pastor. My position, my vocation, my situation in general is one of discrimination and unfair checks and balances working in my favor. And so I have a choice. I can lean into that. I can take advantage of that or I can actively seek to make better choices. I can utilize what I have, sure, but even on a foundational like step one level, I can start by just approaching other human beings as if we're all on the same playing field because we are whenever sin is not involved. Can you even imagine the difference that it would make if those who have been born into positions like mine would begin to at least see themselves as being equals to literally everyone else, let alone the whole humbling thing that Jesus talks about, just equals. It's a radical statement, even if it doesn't seem that way. And I would anticipate that some may be watching this shaking their heads, assuming I'm just spouting another talking point. But the only message I'm offering here is the one of Jesus Christ, who humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. If anyone should have viewed themselves in a position of power, surely it would be the God-man. And yet, he didn't. And so I won't either. And I would encourage you to do the same. So, whether you serve the Abbey, the common folk, or the ground of the earth, know that you are always welcome here at Checkpoint Church. Folks, thank you so much for watching this video. I so appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedules to join us on these nerdy deep dives each week. If you want more of what Checkpoint Church is offering, we're streaming every single Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and every other Friday over on our Twitch channel. We're active every single day of the week on our Discord. I'll link both of those down below. Hey, do me a favor if you watched this far, odds are you liked this video. And so let's start the new year off with a bang. Would you mind giving us a like on this video, letting us know this was one that you enjoyed since you made it this far in. And hey, if you're looking for a video to watch next, let me make a couple recommendations that I'll link up in the top. You could go watch 13 Sentinels. That's another really story rich game. It also has a lot to do with taking a long time span and it's just a great video all around. If you want more on the topic of discrimination and how we might be able to attack that, maybe you're looking for a next step of what that looks like, you could go watch our nerdy sermon on Tokyo Revengers. Or if you want to talk about religious drama and why the church is always the bad guy, as it is in Pentiment, you could go watch The Executioner and Her Way of Life. With that, I got a quick question for you. If you suddenly had the budget of Microsoft and the support of Game Pass for outreach, then what would be the dream project you would craft and launch? What's your dream game if budget and support are not considerations? Mine would be a fully realized and immersive VR world a la Sword Art Online without all the stuff that actually happens in the show. I guess we'd need the dive tech, but let's just be real here, okay? Phil Spencer already has the Nerve Gear tech in his basement and just hasn't shared it with the world yet, so just please don't Akihiko Kaya us, Phil. With that, we're gonna end this video with the three things that we believe to be true about every single one of you out there watching this video. Whether you believe in God, don't believe in God, go to church, don't go to church. Uh, wherever you may fall with the arguments made in this video or with the scripture we analyze, regardless of any of that stuff, 
we still believe these three things to be true about every single person. Number one, believe that God loves you, like really, really loves you and wants a relationship with you. Number two, we love you, we want community with you. That's what we're doing here on our YouTube channel and over on our Twitch channel and on our Discord server. Number three, believe that you, yes, you, no matter who you are, you matter. You are a person of sacred worth. The world is a better place, why? Because you are in it. Folks, with that, I thank you for watching our kickoff episode of season four. I'm excited for an excellent new season ahead. I can't wait to see uh, what anime and video games and TV shows and movies we talk about this year. I hope that you're excited for the ride and I appreciate those of you that are coming back and I appreciate those of you that are just starting the journey with us. With that, until the next time that I see you, whether it be right now over on our Discord, maybe Monday on our Twitch channel, or back here, same time, same place next week for another Nerdy Deep Dive here on the YouTube channel. Wherever it may be, until then, bye bye This is Moonbreeze Tavern. We serve food and drink and we have some arcade machines downstairs. <laughs> I wasn't expecting arcade machines! I was not expecting arcade machines in this weird, fantastic fantasy world. And then all of a sudden, we got some toys. <laughs> I got some action figures downstairs. <laughs>